Say this by faith. I decide to step in by faith. I declare that I will receive everything you have for me this morning. In the name of Jesus, I am what this Bible says I am. I can have what it says I can have. And I can do what it says I can do. I am loved by him. (laughs) I am his beloved. I am the apple of his eye. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I wasn't a mistake. I'm not here by accident. I have a purpose and I have a destiny. And if you're a woman, you say I'm beautiful. If you're a man, you say I'm handsome. Amen. I'm good looking. I'm rich. I'm able to be a blessing to others because he, Jesus, for my sake, became poor so that I, through his poverty, might be made rich to be able to establish his kingdom upon this earth. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. You may be seated. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and Ephesians chapter 6. How many of you know that what you receive on a Sunday has more to do with you than it does with them up there? What you receive, what you and I receive on a Sunday morning has more to do with you. Say that with me. What I receive has more to do with me than it does with them or him. So if you're expecting something this morning, if you're pulling on on me, if you're pulling on them, then you will receive no matter what you will receive. Well, I just don't know. You know, sometimes the atmosphere's got to be charged. Uh, Tell that to the man that was at the pool of Bethesda. Of thousands of people there, only one got healed that day. Why? Because he refused to accept anything less. Uh, The man at the gate called beautiful, and he said, he reached out to Peter and said, do you have anything? And he said, brother, silver and gold, I don't have any of that, but what I got, I give to you. Rise up and take your bed and walk. Don't tell me that you can be the only person in this room and you can walk away from here healed. You can walk away from this morning with everything that you needed because it has more to depend on you than it does us. And I don't mean that you got to work something up. That's not what I'm saying. All you got to do is put your hand out and receive it this morning. And he'll supersede me. He'll go beyond me. You want me. You want me to go beyond myself. You don't want me to just do what I can do. You want me to do and speak and say what God says through me and tap into that power, not my own power. You want this worship team to tap into something greater than themselves. See, we live in a culture that is so self-gratifying that if we show up and the song ain't what we want, then we won't enter in. That is carnal. That's not what God has intended. You and I should be and should step into everything that God has for us every time, regardless of the environment. We need to change the environment. The environment affects the atmosphere. 
But I can tell you right now, I can go into, I can go into Piggly Wiggly and worship the Lord. I can. You can go into the gas station and worship the Lord. I had a dream last night that we were, uh, where was I at? I, it was one of those, it was, it was a vivid dream, but I can't remember exactly where we're at. But I remember I was on a bus, I think it was, and we were traveling, and I just started singing and humming something in my heart. I got the peace of God. Rule in my heart. And all of a sudden, everybody, these, these two older men started singing. And this one guy started bellowing out. And before you know it, we filled that whole bus with, I let the peace of God rule in my heart. It quiets my mind from fearful thoughts. And the whole bus was filled. You going to tell me we can't do that when we leave here? And we come to church where it should be charged with the power in the atmosphere of God. And we still come and we have this spectator mentality. Shame on us. I'm not saying shame on you like it's your fault. I'm saying shame on us. I'm including myself. We still have this mentality where we come in and we want somebody to serve us. Church is not about you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3. Church is not about you. It was about you before, but it ain't about you now. Church is not the location that we meet. Church is the people. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And when we leave, we take the church with us. And that's the problem. We've told people that the only way to be a part of the church is you got to sit in the building, and that's a lie. There are people that are not here this morning that are a part of this church. My wife and my oldest daughter, for one, they're not here this morning. They were, she was not feeling well. She had flu-like symptoms at 3.30 this morning trying to, trying to help comfort her and pray over her. You know what I'm saying? When you're at 3 o'clock in the morning, you're like, oh, los soco. Oh, los soco. You know what I'm talking about? When you're that tired, she had flu-like symptoms. She's not here. Does that mean she's not a part of church? No, I guarantee you she's a part. We have many people that are out on, on vacation. They're not here. Are they a part of the church? Yeah, we have people that haven't been in a while. Are they a part of the church? No, because you and I have got to get out of this cultural mindset. The church is this. This is not church. This is a part of what we do as a church. I'm going to say that again. That was good. This is a part of what we do as the church. This is not church. We met Wednesday night at the park and had church, didn't we? Everybody that was at the park, raise your hand. Did we or didn't we not have church at the park? We drove up, and my wife rolled the window down, and some stranger, can you believe that? She's talking to strangers. Done rolled up, and I'm thinking, what is she doing? But then she opened her mouth, and I knew what she was doing. She said, hey, how y'all doing? Good. They was like, because, you know, people now, there, there's like, what do you want? And she said, listen, we're going to be cooking hot dogs and hamburgers over there in about 40 minutes. Y'all come get you some for free, no charge. Okay. We had church Wednesday night. Was there praise and worship? No. Nope. But we had church. 
We were being the church on Wednesday. And we've got to get out of this mentality. This is a part of what we do as the church. We meet on Sundays and we charge one another. We worship together. And it still amazes me how we come together and it still takes us 20 minutes to enter in or 15 minutes to enter in. Why? We should come, we should come loaded for bear. You know what I'm talking about when I say loaded for bear? You come with all your gear loaded, ready to rock and roll. And when you step in here, if there's a visitor, they like, what was that? I just felt somebody just, everybody in the room just stepped into that place. Why? Because that's what we only come together really on Sundays as a corporate body. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Maybe I'll get to it in a minute, right? 2 Corinthians. Church is not, say that, church is not about me. I am the church. Well, it's too bright in the church. It's too dark in the church. It's not about you and me. Church is not about me as your pastor. I could be gone tomorrow. The Lord could say, I want you to go somewhere else. Church has got to be more than just what you and I, and I'm, and I'm getting to my message because I want to try to instill into you. I'm trying to get you to think differently. I'm trying to get you to begin to meditate and think differently. I want you to put yourself, begin to put yourself in a mental place where you realize that you are the church. This is not church. You are the church. This is just part of what you do as a church. Put yourself there mentally. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 Verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation, okay? We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Verse 4, we use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey. <coughs> I like what <coughs> the, in, uh, the, uh, the New King James Version says. Casting down arguments, verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity into the obedience of Christ. I'm going to tell you something about your thought life. It's not as uh, haphazard as you thought it is. Jeremiah 29, 11, you realize that everything begins with a thought. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the thoughts. The NIV says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. But the, but the original King James, the original Greek says, original Hebrew says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Everything begins with a thought. And you and I have lived in a world that has a very undisciplined thought life. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even say it was undisciplined. I would say that it was lazy. Our culture has a lazy idea of thought life. What does that mean? 
Look at the entertainment industry. The entertainment industry is built around the aspect that for that brief hour and a half or two hours, you shut your mind off and you let somebody else tell you what to think. It is very powerful. Your thought life. I, I, my father in the faith, <clears throat> Brother Kenneth E. Hagan, dad used to tell us this. He used to say, if you don't like where you're at, check up on what you've been saying. You remember years ago, we would confession, confession, confession. We had the confession, please. Oh, don't bleed. Don't say that out your mouth. Well, I'm going to take it one step deeper, and I'm going to say, what have you been thinking? Because what you think will come out of your mouth. The Bible says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Well, how do I know if it's in my heart or not? What do you do when life presses against you and you come up against the situation? What comes out of your mouth? Sometimes it's habit. Sometimes it's hearted. In other words, sometimes you do things out of a reflex because you've always done it that way. And when you begin to reprogram the way you think, you have to reprogram yourself and be transformed, that's what the Bible says, by the renewing of your mind. You and I have to get to a place where we understand that our mind is, a, what was it that uh, years ago, Miss Geneva, uh, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Your thought life is a terrible thing to just let run haphazardly. I want you to begin to put yourself in a place mentally where you begin to think, I am the church. He said, we wrestle, wrestle not against flesh and blood. That tells, me, that tells me two things. Number one, that tells me that we're in a battle, we're wrestling. And number two, that there ain't no way you're going to be able to, to attack this war strategically with a weapon that it was not designed for that war. You cannot fight a spiritual war with a fleshly battle, with a fleshly armor, with a fleshly weapon. Well, I just, I, I can't get a hold of my mind. Lie. I have to be careful because I've had people tell me, I just can't get a hold of myself. I, my mind just gets to running away with me. Well, what do you do with a dog that runs away from you? Hmm? <laughs> Say it louder. You put it on a leash. Well, first of all, why is your dog running off? Because you whipped him. Because <laughs> he's what? He's not trained. How do you train a dog? How do you train? How do you train a dog, Casey? Repetition. Do you do it by being nice and sweet all the time? No. What do you do? You got to be firm. You got to make that dog feel a little pain. You don't hurt him, but he's got to feel something, don't he? Pinch his ear, put a shock collar on him. Because, oh, well, that's cruel. That is so cruel, I can't believe you put that shock collar on that dog. Well, what about your mind? You just let your mind run off and do whatever. I'm preaching to my, I'm, listen to me, I'm telling you in the past two months that I've been getting this message ready and preparing this, the Lord has really gotten on to me about my thought life. Why are you letting your mind run off like that? Why are you thinking on that? Don't think on that. that ain't, that's trash. Meditate on those things that are holy and pure and only truth. Meditate on that. 
So what do you do with a dog? You've got to be firm. You've got to be consistent. You've got to put that thing on a leash. Eventually, you'll get that dog trained to where you ain't got to do nothing but... Because that dog knows if he don't come when you whistle, the gates of hell shall not prevail against you, right? What do you do with a child? The Bible says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and in the end, he will not depart from him. How do you train up a child? Somebody say, you put a shot collar on him. Yeah. Put a shot collar on him. How do you train a child? You be firm with love. You discipline them. You can't discipline a child for something that they don't have truth or revelation about. That's something I've had, you know, uh, uh, confessions uh, from your pastor. Can I, can I confess that to you? I've not always been the best at doing that. Sometimes I react to the situation and I don't put myself in their position. Have I trained them and told them and set up boundaries for them to not do that? If I have not, then the blame is on me. My four-year-old walking around with chocolate milk with no lid doing like this. Can I really get upset at her? No, I have to get upset at myself because I've not properly trained her. Now, my 10-year-old walking around with chocolate milk doing like that, that's a different story. What are you doing with your thought life? Have you disciplined? Is your thought life running away from Because I'm telling you right now, Paul said, we do not war according to to the flesh. <clears throat> Say it like this. However the world is trying to fight this battle is the way that you and I should not, e not even touch trying to fight the battle. The world tries to fight the battle by controlling, your, by controlling what you think, not why you're thinking it. Does that make sense? Medication helps control and calm down from a physiological standpoint what your brain is capable of thinking. It makes you feel good. The medicine responds, reacts to your physiology, makes you feel good. Therefore, your mind goes, ah, oh, we feel good. Life's good because I feel good. That's why when you run out, you want some more. But you can't fight this battle with a physiological weapon. You have to fight. We have to fight this battle with the weapons of our force. What are the weapons of our warfare? He tells you, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Everybody say they're not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not of the flesh. What are they? They are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What is a stronghold? Let me say this. Let me tell you this. A stronghold is this. A fortified place. A place dominated by a particular group or marked by a particular characteristic. Used metaphorically of any strong points or arguments in which one trusts. The weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for tearing down the strongholds, the fortified places in your life. There's a lot of you in here, myself included, that have had or do have a fortified stronghold in your mind. And you've been wearing yourself out trying to tear it down. You doing it the wrong way. You can't change your behavior until you change the way you think.
Say that. I can't change my behavior till I change the way I think. How you and I approach this battle is vital. If, if words are seeds, the Bible says that whatsoever a man speaketh, that way he have. The, the Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue. If that's where the power is, if that's where the power is released, the source of that power comes from your thought life. Because you can speak negatively about yourself and negative things will happen. How? Because you're, is it because you're just talking it? You can teach a parrot. How to talk. No, you got to change. You and I have to change the way we think. What are you meditating on? What are you thinking? Because I'm going to give you some verses that clearly tell you and me that what we think matters. Well, I ain't the church. I go to church. Wrong. You put yourself in that place mentally. Who is the church? Thank you, those two people. <laughs> Who is the church? Where's the church? We are. What are we doing this morning? Worshiping together, doing a part of church together. We're having church together. We, as the church, are doing church. See, the enemy's going to come and he's going to lie. You remember two weeks ago I said that just as quick as you get down to that red light, he's going to start talking to you. You remember that? How many of you he started talking to? Don't raise your hand. What did he start talking to you? Man, that crazy man talking about what you're thinking. Because it's powerful. The enemy cannot come against the word. He has no weapon against the word. He can't stop the word. He can't do it. He's tried. He cannot stop the word. If he was as powerful as the world and religious people in the church has given him credit, he would have killed all of us long, 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 long time ago. But he's not because the only power that he has is the power of deception because he's a liar, 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 pants on fire. He's a lie. I know sometimes the people that I have counseled with and I've talked to, they'll start telling me something, especially if I have a bridge of relationship. They'll start telling me something and I go, mm -mm, lie. I know it aggravates them because it happens to me. I said, so, well, I just, I can't help it, Pastor. Lie? You're not a liar, but the thing that's telling you that is a lie. I can't help it. Lie? The last time I checked, he said, greater is he that is in you. Well, I just don't know if I'm going to make it. Lie. See, you thinking on the wrong thing. You, any of you had an argument with your wife or your spouse this week? Don't, don't raise your hand. I'll be the only one that raised my hand this morning. And so you argue about something. You know what I'm saying? It ain't got to be, a, you know, knock down, drag out, throwing stuff. But I'm saying you have a little spat. And the enemy goes, can you believe her? She don't love you. She don't appreciate you. If he knew 
what you were going through, he would not have opened his big mouth. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Lie. It's a lie. He's trying to get you to pick up that thought because that thought is a seed. Inside of that seed, he's trying to get you to say something because inside of that mouth, inside is the power to release that thought and to release the manifestation of that thing that he's been lying to you about. But on the flip side, if you release that thing that God has put on the side of you and put inside his word, you release the power of God. That's why he says, walk in love. He didn't say walk in love if it was easy. He didn't say walk in love if you feel like it. Walk in love. By this, Jesus, the head of the church, the son of the living God, the one who hung on the cross for me and for you and shed his blood, said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you walk around praying tongues and raising people from the dead, they're going to know that you're mine. Is that what he said? No. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you preach the gospel nonstop and don't ever sleep, if you wear yourself out for the kingdom of God, Casey, that's how they're going to know you're a believer and you're a disciple of mine. That's what he's doing. If you do that, if you give your life for the service of the kingdom of God, then he will, they will know that you are my disciples. That's not what he said. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. You can't love each other if you think negatively of each other. You see what I'm saying when I say everything begins with a thought? Well, you better watch what you... Some people say, well, you know, um, people are articulating out of their mouth. They're saying stuff. And I go, well, first of all, stop talking. Just shut up for just a second. What are you thinking about? Because that, your mouth is going to follow where your brain tells it to go. Actually, every part of you will go where your spirit tells it to go. But if you don't know and you haven't developed your spirit, then your flesh, okay, sirrah, sirrah, and whatever feels good, I'm going to. We live in a society that is catering to people's feelings and not to truth, not to the word. Not that your feelings are wrong. Not that what you feel is not justified. God created your feelings. But what you're thinking about causes you to now elevate all those things above what God has said. What are you thinking about? Strongholds, listen to this. So they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? What, what is the weapons? I'm going to get to that, but I want you to listen to this. If they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, you have a stronghold in your life. You have a fortified place in your life that you have not been able to tear down. This is what it says. Strongholds are first established in the mind. Well... I don't think I can do it. And guess what? You ain't going to do it. Because it started with you think. That is why we are to take every 
thought captive. Think about that for a minute. You take every thought, not some thoughts, every thought, um, every mind needs a bouncer at the front door. For some of you, you know what I'm talking about. You need a guard. You need someone at the front door to make sure that no unwanted elements come in the room. If you and I are to take every thought captive, that's every single thought. But we live in a world that says it's okay that you thought about that. It's fine. It's okay to think like that. No, it's not. It will kill you. I'm going to show you something in a minute while I'm reading this. I want you to go to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I think that's the one. Mark chapter. No, that's not it. Lord, oh, Matthew chapter 4. I knew I was right. I knew it was 4. Matthew chapter 4. Strongholds are first established in the mind. That is why we are to take every thought captive. Behind every stronghold is a lie. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. Got kids in the room. Every stronghold begins with a lie. Well, you know your daddy was an alcoholic. So you're an alcoholic. Well, you know your, your, your grandpa dealt with anger issues, so you're dealing with anger issues. Every stronghold begins with a lie. That's why he came and he says, the truth, we shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make us free. Free from what? Free from strongholds. Free from bondage. What is that truth? It's a concept. It's a reality. The truth is this. The blood of Jesus that was shed on that cross paid for all of our sins, past, present, and future. Every person that has ever existed or ever will exist, the price was paid. True or false? True? So then why do we feel like we have to make people become aware of their sin before they can receive the remission of their sins? Because I don't see that in Scripture. I see if you believe in your heart. And what? Let me ask you this. It says that with the heart... Romans 10, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Where does the heart, what begins in the heart? Jesus paid the price for your sins. You hear that truth and you make a decision to take that thought and say, I believe that thought, I accept that thought as truth. You have now taken that thought 
converted it into a belief, and out of the abundance of your heart, now you say, Jesus is Lord of my life. But what does it start with? It starts with a conscious decision. You can't blame the devil, and you can't blame God. Why would God let that happen? Why did that's not true. See, that's a lie. The enemy is lying trying to get us to think on things that are not true. If you and I think on things that are not true, we will go down the road that we shouldn't go down, and now the reality of what we've been thinking becomes a part of our life. You crazy. Because you've been thinking on things that aren't true. My, Matthew chapter 4. <clears throat> then Jesus, verse 1, was led up to, led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. I want you to notice that, to be tempted by the devil. Now, that word tempted means to take a concept or a thought and offer it to you. That's a temptation. Go back to the original temptation in the Garden of Eden. What did the enemy start with Eve? How did he start with Eve? Did he hand her an apple? No, because he didn't have any authority to do that. What did he do? He, tried, he got her to think on something that wasn't true. He tried the same thing with Jesus. Now, when the tempter, everybody say tempter, that's what Satan is. He's a tempter. Okay, if he tempts you with something, some people say, well, I'm just being, pray for me, brother, because I've just been tempted. That's like, that's, that's like saying, pray for me, brother, because the wind is blowing on me. He's going to tempt you. As if that was something that you didn't have control over. He's the tempter. Is there any truth in Satan? There is no truth in him. All there is is a lie. He's a liar, liar, pants on fire. So he comes and he says to you, just like he did to Jesus, and he tempts you. What is he tempting us with? He's tempting us with a lie. He's taking a lie and he's handing it to you and trying to get you and me to pick up that lie and think about that lie. It starts with a thought. Change the way you think. And this is what he did to Jesus. Now when the tempter came to him, and this was after 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. What happens after 40 days? You hungry. I don't have time to teach on this, but this is a, an amazing parable about how the enemy comes. He always comes and attacks your loudest, most vulnerable. He comes to you at your most vulnerable spot in life. He's not going to attack you right now because you're surrounded by believers. He's going to come at you when you are at your most vulnerable. You just had an argument with Sarah. You and Sarah are at each other's throat. You're ready to just choke each other. So he comes to you and he goes, gives you a thought. Nothing. 
See, it's your choice and my choice to pick up that thing. He came to Jesus. He was hungry. He was fasted and prayed for 40 days. He didn't come to him on day one. He came to him on day 40 when he's his most hungry. The enemy will come at you and try to get at you at your most vulnerable spot at your most vulnerable position. That's why you have to set up for yourself a realm of protection beforehand. So he came to Jesus and what did he say? If, 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 if God really loved you, he would not have given you this woman that you are fighting with. If God really loved you, he wouldn't have put you in that job that's causing all that pain. If God really loved you, he would have stopped that long time ago. If, 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 if God really loved you, fill in the blank. What did he say? If you, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become bread. Could Jesus have done that? I mean, my God, he turned, he rained down manna from heaven. He turned water into wine. Now, the enemy didn't know that. He, of course we know he can, he could, but that's not what the enemy was trying to do. The enemy was trying to get him, listen, the enemy is trying to get him to come down and forsake what he knows for that most fleshly desire that is within us. He tries to lie. If you are really as spiritual as you say you are and you are the son of God, a son of the most high king, then you ain't got to put up with that husband. But you don't have to put up with that boss. He tra- he's lying. If he opens his mouth, what do you know? It's a lie. If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become the bread. And what did Jesus do? He said, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He says, listen here, you tempter. I'm not buckling to my fleshly desires. Because the Bible says the truth that I have meditated on says that I don't live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So even though I'm hungry right now, my God has sustained me for 40 days because I'm living off of his word that is in my heart that I am thinking on and meditating on, and it is coming out of my mouth at the most opportune time when the enemy thinks he's got you, what's going to come out of your mouth? What are you thinking on? Listen to the second one, because this is the one I like. So he comes at you at your most fleshly desire. He tries to get you at something that you know is a, uh, is, a is, is going to be a bigger temptation. Because you're hungry, so he knows he can tempt you with food. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against stone. The enemy knows the word. You can twist the word to say anything you want it to say. And listen to what Jesus said. It is written, you shall not 
tempt the Lord your God. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get Jesus to think on something that isn't true. Could he throw himself off the cliff and the angels would have protected him? Could he? Yes. But why didn't he? Because that would be tempting. That would be now time to take God and test God and say, God, what you're saying... Let me say it this way. If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. Why was this a temptation? Because it was putting him, God, to the test refusing to believe his word until he manifested his power. That's what the enemy's trying to get you and me to do. He's trying to take up a lie. If you really are the son of God, then do that. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get him to test what God has already said. How do you test what somebody's already said? You lie to him. And you try to get them to think that that lie is the truth. Where does it start? It starts right here. If you be. I mean, he started the whole thing off with a lie. If. Whoa. There ain't no if, ands, or buts about it. I am. Well, if you are a child of the most high, just stop right there. I ain't got time to hear you. Some of you, I dare say all of us, need to tell him to shut up even before he opens his mouth. Or at the least, we need to do what Jesus did. Don't even waste no time. It is written. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get us to think, take the truth and exchange it for a lie. When you take the truth and you exchange it for a lie, you now meditate on that lie, and that lie becomes a reality in your life, and the truth now has no power in your life. What you think about is important. Romans 7, 23 says, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my mind. Members, pray for me, brother. Pray for me, Pastor Lawrence, because I just keep sinning. I can't stop. Lie. I just can't. I just can't help myself. Lie. Somebody say, well, I don't like this. That's good. It hurts. I'm not trying to make you feel good. Because I sure enough didn't feel good in getting ready for this. I mean, I'm riding down the road a few weeks ago, and I start thinking and start playing. Remember I told you about it? I start playing this whole thing out in my mind. And the Holy Spirit says, are you done? <laughs> yes, sir, forgive me. Sorry about that. <clears throat> we just let our minds run away with us. And so what do we do? We medicate or we watch something or we try to do something to distract us. Let me ask you this. What if instead you did all that, you filled your mind with the Word of God? And every time, instead, oh, forgive me, uh, for, you know, every time, um, 
Instead of running to this so quick, we run to this so quick. Because this requires discipline. This requires a little more premeditation. This requires a little more discipline to do this. But I'm telling you, this will work. This will work. I'm not going to tell you what he told me because that's between me and the Lord. But a few weeks ago, the Lord said, I want you to begin to put yourself in a place mentally. And he told me what I needed to do. And I was like, what? Okay. I mean, after a while, you just learn to say, yes, sir. And so I have begun to now meditate in this place the Lord has told me to put myself in for a purpose because when the moment arises, I will have meditated on that and now it's become a reality and now when I'm faced with that situation, I can go, it is written. See, the enemy wants you to think you can't help it. The enemy wants you to think that you can't help what you think about. you got to go see a psychologist. And I'm not down on psychologists. But my God, go see someone that's born again. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for uh, counseling. I'm all for coming to a brother and say, look, I got some issues. And I'm having a hard time getting a hold of my thought life. Can you help me? What's he going to say? Yeah, I'll help you. You and I need each other. But stop trying to fight this battle with a water pistol. You got a fire raging in your life and you're trying to squirt it out. Or you're trying to put it out with a water pistol. Get you another brother and pull up that fire truck and turn it on the hose and water that thing down. It starts with your thought life. And some of us, some of you, have thought a certain way for so long. They have proven in science that when you develop a pattern of thought, it is a groove in your brain. I was born this way. Lie. I watched something the other day about a four-year-old who's now six. At four years old, they begin to tell their mother and daddy that they felt a certain way. I'm not going to say what way, but I'm just going to say it like that. They felt a certain way. And so these parents begin to set up things in their life to help them think about those things. And now at six years old, this person, this little child, this boy has developed this mindset that he is something other than what he was created. Am I making myself clear without having to spell it out? Well, my four-year-old thinks that she's an elephant. My four-year-old sometimes thinks that she's a magical pony, unicorn with a head. So what am I going to put her in a barn? Do you see the lie that the enemy has said? Well, if you think it, no. As a man thinketh, that so he is. And so the enemy knows that, and he's lying to us. He's lied to you. And say, well, you're the church. You're weak. You don't have no power. Lie? We have the authority but if you don't meditate on that authority, if you don't understand that Jesus conferred that authority to us, then you and I will never walk in that authority because as a man thinketh, so is he. Put yourself in a place mentally where you think, I am the church. The amplified version of Romans 7.23 says this, but I see a different law a rule of action in the members of my body, 
in its appetites and desires. If it didn't look good, feel good, or taste good, it wouldn't be a temptation. But the temptation is always a manufactured lie. It's always a counterfeit. Well, you don't, I mean, you don't have to do it that way. You could just steal it. You don't have to turn in that extra stuff on your taxes. You just, it's fine. You see, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get us to think. He's trying to get us to meditate and take a lie and exchange it for the truth. And the more you do that, the more we raise up. And all we do is produce Christian after Christian, believer after believer with no power, no authority, just watered down existence. And we wonder why we have no influence in society. Because we're not effecting influence. We're not yielding the influence that God's given us because we're meditating on the wrong things because we let them tell us what to think on instead of what He told us to think on. Can you tell this is in me? I mean, I've gotten to the point where I'm riding down the road or I'm sitting at the house or whatever, and I think on something and I go, wait a minute. I go, <laughs> I'm going to use Casey because stand up. <clears throat> so I'm driving down the road and me and the Holy Ghost are riding, you know, whatever. We're riding down the road and all of a sudden this thought, and I cab, grab a captain and I go, does that, what, does that look all right to you? No. No. But we don't do that. We ride down the road and we just all of a sudden, oh, we just ride down the road. He's sitting down. We're supposed to be taking, allowing the Holy Spirit to help us and we're just riding down the road, walking through life and now all of a sudden this thought comes into our, well, you probably are. You probably just, once again, you just fail. You're just failing. I mean, you failed your first 14 marriages. You're going to fail at this one too. And instead of bringing that thought into captivity and bringing it under the obedience of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, we just, I don't guess so. He goes, hey, hey, boys, we're in. Round them up. And so now for the next 30 days, you're just bombarded with all these thoughts that you're a failure. And now guess what? You're producing failure in your life because that's all you're meditating on. That's all you're talking. That's all you're acting. And it all started with a thought that was a lie. Well, you're worthless, and there you go. Now you go through high school thinking you're worthless because after all, everybody else that... Let me be careful. So now all these other kids that are thinking the same way you are are now putting all this pressure on you, making you think that you're worthless, and they feel just as worthless, if not more worthless than you because the only way they know how to do it is to make you feel like worthlessness. And so now you go through all high school thinking you're worthless. And then you, then you get into college and now you step into a whole other realm of living and you're tired and you're frustrated because you don't see no power, because no one's told you, because everybody in the church is afraid to say, I'm good looking. And so now you think you're not pretty. Or now you think you're not handsome. Or now you think you're not whatever. And you begin to, you allow these thoughts and you've meditated on them and you've, they've become such a part of your life. Now you have changed the altered the destiny of your life because of a lie. 
And it is a lie. People say, well, why do you say we're good looking? Because I guarantee you nobody else in the world is going to tell you that. And the supermodels and the chiseled men fitness guys deal with the same crap that you and I deal with. That's why they don't eat. That's why they work out till they just pass out because they're constantly dealing with the lie from the enemy that you're not worth anything. You were worth the blood of Jesus. That's where your worth comes from. Well, if you say you're good looking, you're, that's vain. You're saying that out of pride. No, I don't say I'm good looking for your sake. I say it for my sake. Because I can't know that for you. I know that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I'm telling you that I deal with those thoughts. But what do you do? You take those thoughts captive and you throw them out. You take those thoughts and you say, you shut your mouth and you bring it under the obedience of the Word of God. That's why he says, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Well, you're always going to live like this. Lie! It is written, I can do all things through Christ. Pick one. Just pick something. It is written, Jesus wept. Do something. Pick something. You have got to fill your time and your mind with the truth of God's word or you'll always be bombarded with the lies of the enemy. (laughs) Here's another one. Well, they laid hands on you and prayed for you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you didn't get nothing. So it must not be God's will. You must have to tarry. Lie. I know you got prayed for to receive your healing, but you didn't, receive, you didn't get healed. He, listen to me. This is how subtle he is. The Lord just hasn't decided to heal you yet. Let me ask you something. When we pray for people, how are we supposed to pray for them? Are we waiting on God to heal them? I thought, now correct me, I just submit it to you. I thought 1 Peter 5 said this. By his stripes we were. I thought that the scripture says that he has given us all things, has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So why are we going to sing a song that says, I need more? Just shot that cow, (laughs) killed that one over. Why? Why? Why are we going to sing a song that builds in us a mentality of needing more of something in our life that we've already been given all of? No, you want to change the words? Say, Lord, I want more of you released out of my life. Help me to release more. I heard my wife pray last night. She said this. She said, Lord, I ask you to show me. And then she stopped herself. And she said, no. I ask you to help me see what you've already shown me. I thought, glory to God, that'll preach right there. 
Lord, teach me. No. Lord, help me see what you've already delivered to me. Help me understand. What I don't understand, help me understand it. What I haven't seen from the Word of God, reveal it to me from your Word that you've already said. Do you see how subtle the enemy is? How he lies? Uh, You're always going to have to make a payment. Four of you got it. You, everybody knows if you're going to have anything nice in this life, you're going to have to borrow money for it. It's a lie. Here's my question. What is it that you've been thinking? I mean, we've gone through a lot this morning. So I want you to take all that we've said and grab something that just kind of didn't sit right with you and hold it up like you're holding it up before us. And you're sitting there thinking your wheels are turning. How can he say that we're good looking? I mean, I can't even understand that. How can he say that I'm beautiful? How can he say that I'm rich? How can he say that I'm healed? I don't feel healed. I just went to the doctor and he said I wasn't healed. How? Let me ask you this. Hold that thing up before the Lord. And now I'm going to ask you this question. Who told you that? Who told you that? Where are you deriving your faith for that thing at? In what you feel? Because right now I feel like what? I feel like going for another hour. But I'm sure you don't feel like going for another hour. Are we supposed to be led by our feelings? No, we teach our kids. We teach our kids that basic foundational principle. I don't feel like doing my work. I don't feel like going to bed. I don't feel like taking a shower. I don't feel like brushing my teeth. Sweetheart, honey, it don't matter what you feel. You're going to do what you need to do, right? But yet, I don't feel. Who told you that you weren't healed? Who told you that the finances were an issue? Who told you that you're always going to be the way you are? Who told you that? Who told you that you can't get a better job? Who told you that you can't have kids? Who told you that you weren't good looking? Who told you that? If his mouth is moving, say it again. Let me, let me say this, and I'm going to close with this. I'm landing the plane. You ready? I'm going to ask you to place your tray tables in their upright and locked positions. Turn all cell phone devices off as we come land this plane. Just bear with me for just a minute. When you think on things that aren't true, you're doing something that you were not created to do, and that turns into worry. What is worry? Worry is meditating on something that isn't true. It's not your responsibility. Well, I don't know what we're going to do. Good. You don't need to know. It's not your responsibility to know. It's your responsibility to think, if you're going to worry about something, I can't even say that because that ain't even scriptural. There should, you should not worry. Worry is meditating on things that aren't your responsibility to meditate on. I'm not saying they aren't true, but really and truthfully, when you start worrying about something, well, what am I going to do? What's he trying to get you to do? He's trying to get you to think on a lie. What is worry? 
We're not talking about being responsible. See, when I leave here, I got to go and pick up some food for my family. Now, am I going to worry about that? No, but the enemy could get me to worry about that. Oh my, I mean, my God, what, what, if we don't, what if we don't quit real quick? What if I get a flat tire? What if I run out of gas? What if they don't have the food that she needs? Well, I mean, what are we going to do? You see, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get you and me to think on something that isn't true. It ain't even happened yet, and you're already worried about it. It is not your response. The human body was not designed to worry. You know why? Because we are people of faith. We were designed to cast all of our care over onto him and to let him deal with our problems. Not us. You ain't qualified. And neither am I. The word anxious in Philippians, trust in, do not be anxious, do not worry about anything. The word there is take thought. The literal says, take no thought for your life. There's that thought again. When you take that thought and take another 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 thought, now you're worrying. I don't know how to stop worrying. Stop feeding that stray dog that comes into the front of your door and run his behind off. And if you can't do it, you feel like you that's a lie anyway, but you feel like you're not strong enough to do it, then go grab your bouncer friend and say, I need you to help me with something. I know. I've asked people to help me. I've asked those men that speak into my life. I know that what I'm about to say to you is not true. But I'm telling you so that he hears it and that you hear it. I'm wrestling with this, but I know it ain't true. And I'm asking you to help me. And so then he goes, oh, man, we in trouble now. He doesn't ask Morris to help him. We might better skedaddle out of here for a while. Maybe we can come back in a little while and find the house is swept. You see what I'm saying? Don't worry about it. People say, well, how do you do that? You stop thinking about it. You can't change it. You can't change it. And if you could change it, you would have already changed it. I like this. I'm going to, change, I'm going to read to you what a commentator said, and then I'm going to change it because I don't agree with everything, but I'm going to read it to you anyway. There is a care of diligence, which is our duty, and agrees with a wise forecast of due concern. But there is a care of fear and distrust, which is sin and folly, and only perplexes and distracts the mind. I don't agree with the first part of that. I don't agree that there is a care of diligence. Diligence and care don't come together. Diligence is taking responsibility for what you need to do, correct? Worry is meditating on what happens if that doesn't come through. That's the distraction. You're saying, I just shouldn't even worry about it. Yep. See, some people can't even get it out of their mouth. How do you not worry about it? You just don't. Well, that's, that's just too easy. That's exactly right. That's exactly what he created it to be was easy. We've made it hard. Jesus taught his disciples all the time. He said, how long must I be with you? He did, didn't he? Mr. Timmy, how long must I be with you? I told you we're going to the other side. And you let some wind 
and some waves and the storms and the rain dictate to you what you're supposed to do? What's the enemy? See, the enemy is always going to bring something to get your mind off of the truth that God has put in your heart and get you to meditate on something that isn't true. It's a lie. Stop letting him. Will you, stand with me, will you take a stand with me and say, I'm not going to let the enemy lie to me anymore. I'm not going to eat what he's been feeding me. You can't fight a spiritual battle with fleshly weapons. You're going to have to do something. It, it, never, it never ceases to amaze me. I was talking to a guy. He ain't here. So you don't have to look around. And he hasn't been here. And we were in my office... And everything he kept throwing at me, I kept throwing back at him the word of God. And he got so aggravated at me. And I said, you're asking me to help you do something that's not in the word of God. You've let your mind and now your life is consumed by this thing. And you won't die. I said, you need to die. He said, I can't. I've been done wrong and I just got to take vengeance. I said, well, then... I'm going to ask you this. Are you better than Jesus? And he said, no. I said, well, he had every right to condemn you and take his vengeance out on you, and he didn't. And I guarantee you what she did to you ain't nowhere near, ain't even in the same universe as what we did to him on that cross. And you know what he did? Rejected it. I said, I can't help you. Because you're lying. You're listening to the lie. You believe in the lie. And as long as every time I offer you the truth, you won't listen to it, I can't help you. You and I are going to have to fill our life with this right here. Period. That's it. If it ain't in here, I ain't got time for it. Don't come to me with I think. Don't come to Casey with I think. Don't find your spiritual brother and say, well, I think, I feel, I don't know. Lie, lie, and more lies. Because the Bible is clear. The Bible is truth. And I'm telling you, this is where the answer is at. It's not in how you feel. It's in this word right here. And one day, I pray soon. And you younger generation, listen to me. Nip this in the bud now. It don't matter how you feel. Your feelings will go in line with what you tell them to do. Well, I don't feel like doing it. Well, take a nap. And then tell me how you feel after that nap. Oh, I feel great. See, your feelings are fickle. <laughs> Say this with me. My weapons are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Amen. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you. For the word that you've deposited, Lord, forgive me if I went longer than I should have. Lord, I don't 
want to just linger, but I feel that this is something that we need to grab a hold of. So I'm asking you to help us grab a hold of this truth. Help us to uh, turn up the filter in our brain. Turn up the filter in our mind so that now we begin to examine every thought and we begin to say, is this obedient or is this not? Is this the word or is it not? Help us to create a disciplined lifestyle to where we don't allow any thought to linger in our mind that is not of you. I declare it and ask you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said Take every thought. Take every thought captive this week. Amen? Go and be blessed. We will see you Wednesday night for Connect Groups.